Welcome and thank you for listening to the Okuo Church Podcast. We exist so that people will be in community with Jesus and one another. We'll do that by listening to God, loving people, leading by empowering others, and linking to our community. We hope you enjoy it. It's week four of Fruit of the Spirit. Now this series is a deep dive in the idea of spiritual fruit. Now the reason we are taking this deep dive is because God gave us the word fruitful to us for the year 2021. So here at Akuo Church, we want to be fruitful this year and every year after this. We want to listen to God with his word. We want to love people with the spiritual fruit that is given to us. We want to lead others by empowering them to receive their own spiritual fruit by connecting to God. Then we will link to our community by sharing that spiritual fruit with our city. So in this series, we want to show you practical applications of the spiritual fruit spoken about in Galatians 5. So you need to get out a notebook or or paper or have your notes app ready for this message because we want this series to be more than just something nice that you hear. We want this to be more than just a TED talk that you like for a little bit, maybe share with a friend and then never think about again. We want it to be something that inspires you to bear fruit in your life and then share that fruit that God gives you and overflows in you to everybody around you. So for the second week, we are bringing in a special guest to talk about the spiritual fruit of peace. This week, we have Pastor Lee Wong from City Tribe Church to be with us and and give the message once again. Now, if you missed last week, you gotta go watch it. That sermon was fantastic that Lee delivered, and this week won't be any different. So without any further ado, here's Pastor Lee Wong. Hey, Akuo, I'm thrilled your pastors would have me back, and I'm grateful for the love that you showed last week. Last week, we explored what Jesus taught about how we might produce peace in our lives. And today is sort of a continuation of last week's conversation concerning that path to peace. Last week, we learned that our path to peace begins with living for the sake of the Son of Man. That is, when we live out our purpose to make Jesus's mercy known, we experience a pouring out of physiological benefits that impact our mood and our motivation. We're made mentally and emotionally well. It's like we are deeply rooted along riverbanks, and in so doing, we embark on our path to producing the spiritual fruit, peace. Now, if I'm honest, I'm not always motivated to live for the sake of the Son of Man. There are just some people for whom I'm not that motivated to give any kind of mercy whatsoever. For whatever reason, it's like they know the right combination of buttons to push with me, and our clashing personalities really puts my faith and my values to the test. You know, Jesus said, love your enemies. But concerning those particular people, that particular personality type, I think, all my enemies, Jesus? And he said to bless people who curse you. And these particular folks, they make me think, surely they're the exception. They deserve, like, just a little cursing, right? And Jesus said to pray for those who mistreat you. And so I do pray. I pray that he removes them from my life. Anyone else struggle with living for Jesus' sake and making known his mercy to all kinds of people? Now, the problem with having a problem with problematic people is this. When we don't extend to them mercy, we're not living out our purpose. And as we saw last week, when we don't live out our purpose, we won't ever truly experience Peace, we're not rooted along the riverbanks. And so withholding Jesus's mercy from certain people, it inhibits our journey toward mental and emotional wellness. It inhibits us from experiencing the blessings God has designed us to experience. And so we have to find a way 
to cultivate our appreciation of and our affection for even the most undeserving folks. The question for us today is how? So that you and I can live out our purpose to make Jesus's mercy known to even our enemies so that we can make love our foundation for spiritual fruit. How might you and I cultivate appreciation and affection for them? The answer to that is again found in Luke's account about Jesus. And so if you plan to follow along in the scriptures, we'll be in Luke, the seventh section, Luke chapter seven. And before we jump into today's teaching, would you join me in praying that by God's spirit, we would learn. Heavenly Father, first of all, we thank you for the opportunity to gather digitally. We thank you for the scriptures from which we can learn. We thank you for the means and the resources that we're able to do this together. And we just ask that in this time, that by your spirit, you would speak to us. You would help us stay centered and focused, uh, drown out whatever distractions there might be, Lord, and help us just listen for whatever it is you have to say to us. We're listening for you. We pray this in Jesus's name. Amen. Now, where we pick up in Luke's account today is essentially where we left off in our conversation last week. Jesus continued his travels around the eastern Mediterranean region. He continued to invite even the poor to participate in his kingdom movement. He said his kingdom was for everyone. And he continued to heal diseases and afflictions and cast out evil spirits. And so everywhere Jesus went, large crowds followed him. And a certain report began to spread like wildfire a report about Jesus, and this is what the multitude of people were saying about him. A great prophet has risen among us. God has visited his people. The creator of the heavens and the earth is here and is near. He is in our midst. Now, that's a pretty peculiar report that should make anyone's ears perk up, right? That God, the creator of the universe, would be in our midst? Well, for one person Luke wrote about in particular, this report about God being near was perhaps their last shred of hope that they had for being made mentally and emotionally well. And it's this person's story that's actually our case study today as to how you and I might cultivate appreciation and affection for others so that we can begin to live out our purpose and be put on a path to produce peace. And so, what was so significant about this person's story? What did they do that will help us cultivate a love for others so we can make Jesus's mercy known? Well, Luke doesn't tell us a lot about who this person was and what this person did, but from what Luke did share, here's what we know. Now, we're about to go on a journey through a lot of background information that's sort of my style to give a whole bunch of information up front and up top so that hopefully by the end of our conversation, I will be able to piece things together if I did a good enough job and you'll say, oh, okay, that makes sense. And so I need you guys to hang in there with me, okay? Now, the concept of sin is often communicated by the idea of an archer shooting an arrow and missing his target. And because this archer missed the bullseye mark, he thus forfeited his prize. Well, in the Jewish scriptures, our Old Testament, God gave certain standards for perfectly loving others. It was his target, the mark that we are all to shoot. And anytime we don't perfectly love according to his standard, we miss that mark. That is, we have 
sinned. For example, whenever I've lied, like that one time, or whenever I've stolen or cheated, or if you ever have, we've missed the mark for perfectly living and perfectly loving others. We have sinned. Or whenever I've badmouthed someone or mistreated them in any way, when I've inflicted any kind of harm, or if you ever have, well, we have missed the mark for perfectly living and perfectly loving others, so we have sinned. And since God is perfect and holy, sinners are unacceptable to be in his perfect presence, and we thus forfeit his favor, forfeit his blessings. And it's for this reason, that we know the person that Luke wrote about, whose story we're exploring today, was not at peace. This person was far from it. This is what Luke shared. There was a woman in the town who was a, what? Sinner. A person who had missed the mark for perfectly living and perfectly loving and had forfeited God's favor. Now, here's what else this woman being known as a sinner tells us. Because sin in some capacity steals from another person's joy and another person's peace, because sin at some level steals other people's quality of life, and because you and I were all created in God's image and he thus views all of our lives as invaluable, well, as the penalty for taking one's quality of life, God requires the sinner to give back life. Blood must be shed so the sinner learns the value of life and in order to make matters right with God. Now, God is so gracious. He taught the value of human life in this way. He essentially said, so that you would learn the preciousness and the value of your fellow brothers and sisters, your fellow image bearers, Anytime you don't perfectly live and perfectly love them, you're going to have to sacrifice the life of a creature. You'll have on your conscience the guilt of taking the life of an innocent animal due to your misdeeds. And this will give you a glimpse of the pain of you stealing someone's quality of life that it has caused them and that it has caused me. And not just that, you'll have to pay the financial burden of having to pay for that animal sacrifice. The Jewish scriptures detailed God's penalty for not perfectly loving, his penalty for sin this way. If someone incurs guilt, he's to confess that he's committed that sin. He must bring his penalty for guilt for the sin he has committed to the Lord, a lamb or a goat from the flock as a sin offering. In this way, the priest will make matters right between God and the sinner. He will make atonement on behalf of that individual for his sin. If he cannot afford an animal from the flock, then he may bring to the Lord two turtle doves or two pigeons as penalty. If he can't afford that, then he may bring two quarts of fine flour. And so the fact that Luke described this woman as a sinner, it tells us she'd have on her mind the nagging burden of having to pay a penalty. And sadly, she'd have, she'd have had to live with the burden of knowing that she'd never be able to pay that. Why? Because as Luke detailed, she was a woman. And women in that culture, in that day, they didn't have the rights that women have Today, I mean, we have come a long way thanks to Jesus. In fact, this is an important part of our conversation, so try to remember this. Women were treated so differently. Exposing their hair in public was the same as exposing their private parts. 
If a woman let down her hair in front of men, especially if it wasn't their husband, she was seen as being sexually provocative and thus a sinner. A collection of commentaries on the Jewish law known as the Talmud, it details this matter this way. Even a woman's hair is considered nakedness. Now my point is, given the period of history and culture in which this woman that Luke wrote about lived, the woman who was known as a sinner, she had no opportunity for gainful employment, which meant she had no way to ever earn enough income to purchase just two quarts of fine flour, the lowest of the penalty to pay, meaning she had no hope to ever pay her sin debt and to be made acceptable to God, to ever experience his favor, to ever experience his peace. She'd been derailed from that path. Her community would have seen her as defiled and impure and unholy. No one would ever go near her, much less look at her. In fact, she was likely excommunicated from her community, forced to live on the streets and fend for herself. Her skin was likely leathered from exposure to harsh elements. Her teeth would have been tartared. She would have been malnutritioned, her breath rotten, her hair and nails unkempt. She likely reeked of an odor that she attempted to mask with perfume. I mean, can you imagine just how lonely and how worthless and how hopeless this woman would have felt? The burden of her unpaid sin debt was more than just financial. Her sin cost her socially. It cost her psychologically, even physically. Her sins, her missing the mark, and other sins against her, they're not perfectly loving her. It stole from her her quality of life, her joy and her peace. That Luke described her as both a woman and a sinner is how we know she was not mentally and emotionally well. She was not rooted on the riverbanks. This woman was far from experiencing peace. So, when she heard that peculiar report that God himself had visited his people, that he was in their midst, she likely thought, this is my opportunity to confess my sins in person to God and to plead for his acceptance. This is my chance to receive his mercy and his favor and experience his peace. And so she tracked down Jesus to a soiree where he'd been invited to with religious aristocrats known as the Pharisees and with nothing left to lose, she made her way through those, relig those religious aristocrats and here's what she did. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind him, Jesus, at his feet. And Luke doesn't tell us if she ever said anything, if she was ever able to confess her sins verbally. But what Luke did share tells us that she didn't need to say a word. Her actions spoke loudly and clearly. She postured herself on her knees as if to say, you require life for sins? Well, Jesus, I give you my life. And then weeping, she began to wash his feet with her tears. And what she did next would have been so appalling to the party's attendees that they would have shielded their eyes, they would have turned away, they would have awaited Jesus to rebuke what they had seen as it was a suggestive and seductive invitation. 
Recall what we discussed a moment ago about how a woman's exposed hair was seen as nakedness? Well, here's what this woman did. She wiped his feet with her hair, her exposed body parts, kissing them and anointing them with perfume. The party's host, Simon, critical that Jesus permitted such sensual seduction, thought to himself, this man, if he were a prophet, if he really was God that has visited us and is in our midst, he would know who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him. She's a sinner. So, what did Jesus know about this woman who was a sinner that he allowed her to kiss his feet? And what does this have to do with our ability to cultivate appreciation and affection so that we can live out our purpose to experience peace? Well, through a story Jesus told the religious aristocrat Simon, he explained what was really going on. And this story, it's kind of like this. So suppose both you and I, we took out a credit card, and with that credit card, we each amassed a large debt. Now, the debt that I amassed, it was about a year's worth of salary, so let's say about $50,000. But the debt you amassed, it was about 10 years worth of salary. So let's say $500,000 worth of debt. And because life happens, well, we'd ongoingly continue to charge that credit card here and there, and so even though you and I might be able to make monthly payments, we'd only ever chip away at our debt never being able to fully pay it off. We would go through life carrying this heavy financial burden, not to mention the mental and emotional burden of keeping up with the payments and not having our possessions seized or our credit ruined. And those of you who've ever been in any sort of debt, you know the relational tension in the home that one can experience with that. It's a mess. But then, one day, our credit card company says to us, you know what? We care more about your quality of life than receiving ongoing monthly payments from you. We would rather you reappropriate all of your mental and emotional energy elsewhere so you can experience peace, so you can live life in its fullest form. And so we are purging from your account the debt that you've incurred. Even if you continue to spend using this credit card, you never owe us another payment. Everything has been paid in full, past, present, and future. So enjoy your financial, your mental, and emotional freedom. Now that would be pretty dope, right? Everyone who has student loans would say, amen. This essentially is the story that Jesus said to Simon to address the woman's action. Now, here's how Luke recorded it. A creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And since they could not pay it back, he, the creditor, graciously forgave them, the debtors, both. So which one of them, the debtors, will love him, the creditor, more? Well, to answer that, let's go back to our credit card analogy. So if my $50,000 debt was paid and purged, I'd be grateful for sure. But I might also be deceived into thinking, well, you know, that was only one year's salary. I was on my way to paying it off. I was able to handle this debt. It wasn't that great of a burden. And so it's not that life-changing. But if your $500,000 debt was paid and purged from you, that would be a life-changer. 
you would feel such a relief. You would want to thank the CEO in person. You would tell everybody about how that company takes care of their customers, that everybody should be a part of that company as a customer. You would forever be appreciative because of the company's graciousness and generosity. Why? Because your debt was so insurmountable, you knew you were keenly aware there was no chance you'd ever be able to repay it. And having it purged, it instantly gave back to you mental and emotional capacity. It improved your quality of life. You could feel a sense of peace. And so between you and me, who would be more appreciative and affectionate toward our creditor? I'm sure we would all agree with how the Pharisee Simon answered that question, how he answered Jesus. He said, the one he, the creditor, forgave more. To which Jesus affirms Simon, and he affirms our answers, you have judged correctly. The point Jesus wanted Simon to understand about the woman who kissed his feet was this. And it's the point that you and I have to understand if we want to cultivate our capacity for appreciation and affection to express to even our enemies. The point is this. A person who knows how great a debt they have and how impossible it is to ever pay, that person will forever be appreciative and affectionate toward the one who paid and purged it. Let me say that again. A person who knows how great a debt they have and how impossible it is to ever pay, that person will forever be appreciative and affectionate toward the one who paid and purged their debt. And just to make sure his point wasn't lost on Simon, Jesus connected the dots for him. He contrasted Simon's reaction to his visit and the woman's reaction to his visit. Jesus said, do you see this woman? And just a quick sidebar comment, that is one of the most dignifying statements in all of the scriptures. Do you see not this harlot, not this sinner, not this defiled dog, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she with her tears has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. And you gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Jesus' message to Simon was, this woman, she's the debtor in my story with the more pronounced debt. The burden of her sin debt was so pronounced that it had stolen the quality of her life, and so she grasps her need for me, God who has visited his people, to pay and purge that debt. This is why she's so affectionate toward me. Jesus said it this way, therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That is why she loved much. Then it's as if he said, now Simon, you're the debtor in the story with the seemingly smaller debt. You're not crying or kissing my feet because you're unaware just how great a debt you actually owe. You are deceived, Simon. And what Jesus actually said next is the reason I am convinced People who claim to follow him can be so arrogant and so hateful, so judgmental, so racist, so bigoted, so angry, and so greedy, so unmotivated to make his mercy known. He said to Simon, the one who is forgiven little loves little. 
you and I can never make Jesus's mercy known if we don't ever know Jesus's mercy. We can never make Jesus's mercy known, live out our purpose if we don't first know Jesus's mercy. You see, what Jesus's exchange with Simon about this woman reveals to us is this, that your awareness and my awareness of the depths of Jesus's mercy, it directly impacts how appreciative and affectionate we become. Knowing the magnitude of Jesus's mercy, it cultivates our capacity to love much. According to Jesus, when we, like the woman who was a sinner, recognize that he came to pay and purge our insurmountable debt, when we realize how great his mercy is, you and I, we will grow our appreciation and grow our affection. We will love much and make known his mercy to all the world, even the most difficult people. In other words, to find the motivation to love so that it's our foundation to experience fruit, we need to fixate on the fact our sins are forever forgiven. We need to fixate on the fact our sins are forever forgiven. Being keenly aware of Jesus's mercy for us is the catalyst we all need to love even our enemies, thus enabling us to live out our purpose and put us on a path to produce and experience peace. And so listen, it's critical that you and I get this because we are living in a day and an age where there is not a lot of mercy. There is not a lot of love. There's not a lot of peace. I feel like many people only know Jesus in name and they don't really know the depths of his mercy. And so you and I have to get abundantly clear about his love for us and from how much we have been forgiven. This is how much Jesus adores you and adores me. Jesus, though he existed in the form of God, he did not see equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he emptied himself of his divine attributes and he took on the form of a servant. He visited his people. And in the form of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. Jesus willingly gave his life as a sacrificial sin offering. He poured out his blood to be the once and for all payment for the penalty of the suffering that we have inflicted and will inflict upon others. And since Jesus's life was the only acceptable offering for sin, we've been made forever accepted by God. That is how much we are adored. But not only that, unlike the countless animals that had been sacrificed in the sacrificial system, Jesus didn't stay dead. Three days later, by the power of his spirit, he was raised from the grave and eventually ascended to heaven where he sits on the right hand of the power of God, ushering in his eternal kingdom right now. Now here's the sweetest part of Jesus's love for you and for me. Not only does he forever erase our sin debt when we, like the woman who was a sinner, acknowledge we need him to save us, but he also gives to you and to me the same spirit that raised him from the dead and gave him new life. It's his down payment. It's his guarantee that we too will be raised to eternal life, to forever live in paradise in peace, in his presence. And on top of all that, it gets even better. He adores us so much. He gives you and me the promise of eternal rewards. This is how much you are loved and how much I'm loved. This is the depths of his mercy. 
Here's my point with all of this. If we're going to make Jesus's mercy known, so we live out our purpose and are able to produce the spiritual fruit, peace, we have to fix our focus on the depths of Jesus's mercy. You and I must fixate on the fact that our sins are forever forgiven. Write that down somewhere, internalize that, put it on your mirror so that you see it every single day. Now here's what I invite you to do with me. To help us fixate on the fact our sins are forever forgiven, I want you to internalize a declaration Jesus himself said. He declared this, your sins are forgiven. I want you in just a moment with me to say that declaration. We're going to do it on the count of three. If you're listening only via podcast, on the count of three, we're going to say your sins are forgiven. All right, y'all ready? Your sins are forgiven on the count of three. One, two, three. Your sins are forgiven. And remember, when we know the depths of Jesus's mercy, we will be motivated to make his mercy known. And so... When you find it difficult to extend appreciation and affection to others, when you find yourself struggling mentally and emotionally with little capacity to love even your enemies, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to remind you of the significance of that declaration. So here's what we're going to do right now in my attempt to help you understand the significance of the fact that our sins are forever forgiven I want you to just hold out your hands in front of you as if you are receiving. And if you're able to, hopefully you're not driving or running as you're listening to this, but close your eyes with your hands out in order to receive this. I'm gonna speak a few declarations over you, again, in order to help you understand the significance of it. So here we go. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus's mercy is so great, you don't have to live thinking about the financial burdens of paying for a sin offering. We are so far removed from that requirement. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus's mercy is so great, you don't have to deal with the guilt of killing an innocent animal for your misdeeds. I mean, for 2,000 years, that system has been dead. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus's mercy is so great, you don't have to live practicing rigid religious rules and participating in rituals to be acceptable to commune with God or to experience his blessings. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus's mercy is so great, you don't have to wonder if you've disappointed God. You don't have to fear that he'll reject you. You're forever accepted no matter what you've done, no matter what you will do. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus's mercy is so great. You don't have to live paranoid, wondering if or when God is going to punish you for your sins. Because his death on the cross, the penalty for your sins, past, present, and future, are paid in full. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus's mercy is so great. You have been made a suitable temple for God's Holy Spirit. And so God is always with you. God is always near you. You have constant access to his counsel and his comfort. You have his guarantee for eternal life in his presence. And all you have to do to receive that is to simply declare 
that Jesus is God and you just receive his forgiveness. And for those of you who have never done that, let's just take a moment and pause and you can say something to this effect if you want to receive those amazing gifts that we've talked about. You can say, Jesus, I believe that you are God in human form and I receive you as my savior who has erased my sin debt and I receive your Holy Spirit. If you prayed that, your sins are forgiven and you have Jesus' guarantee for eternal life. Your sins are forgiven. And I believe if you internalize and meditate on this truth, all of us, that the Holy Spirit will help you fully know Jesus' mercy And so you'll want to make Jesus' mercy fully known to all the world. You'll cultivate your capacity to extend appreciation and affection. You will love much. And in so doing, you'll live out your purpose. You will produce peace. You will be rooted on the riverbanks and you will be able to bear the fruit of the Spirit. It's why Jesus said to the woman, And he says to you and me, and I'm going to close with this, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Will all of you join me in giving it up for my dude Lee? Now, if you're watching online, just throw some excited emojis out for him. You know, give him like thumbs up or, you know, the, the double hand looking through like that, or you can give them a dancing lady or explosions or confetti, whatever it is, just, just throw it out there for them. If, if you're on your own on a run or in your car, just like let out a yell, like go Lee. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Lee. Okay, guys. Now next week we are going to continue in our series, Fruit of the Spirit, and I'll be talking about patience. Now I can't wait to see what Jesus has lined up for us and what he wants to share with us. So feel free to invite your family and friends to watch along with you. Now, there's two different places that you can be watching. So next week, we'll be meeting together once again. So next Sunday at 10 a.m., we'll have our next outdoor service, the pavilion across the street from Akua, 100 Quinton Road. Not only that, we feel like we have gotten this okay from God. As we have been in prayer, there is a peace about us getting together outside while wearing masks and keeping distance. So we will be meeting outside every Sunday, starting next Sunday, all the way through April 4th, which is Easter Sunday. Now, during that time, we'll still be providing you a quality online product in case you aren't ready to join us in person just yet. Next, as some of you might have seen on our social media, we are looking to hire the next member of our team here to Kuo. We are looking for our children's ministry director to start in a part-time capacity. So if you are ready to make a difference using your skills and spiritual giftings to serve the children of Akuo and bring them into community with Jesus and one another, then we'd love for you to apply. To do that, all you have to do is email me at humby.sedveta at akuo.church. We are praying that the right people can take their next step in serving Jesus here at Akuo Church. And we want to invite you to pray along with us in seeing God's kingdom grow. Next, what I want to talk to you guys about is how we practice our generosity here at Akuo. What we do is practice the biblical method of giving called tithing. And that just means giving a first fruit 10% offering to the storehouse, which is also known as your local church. We know that when you trust God with your finances, there is great blessing. 
Now, I'm not saying that you're going to get like an 80 inch TV left on your doorstep or, you know, you're going to get like a car with like these crazy spinners on it or, or anything like that. That's just not how it works. Uh, you don't tithe and then get something in return. The way it does work, though, is that anytime you tithe, anytime you give something over to God, you experience a blessing in that arena. You experience a peace knowing that you are trusting God to take care of you. So we want you to grow closer to God by exercising this very practical discipline. We want you to experience God's peace this week. Now, that might not be a possibility for you right now. Things might be really tough for you and your family. I mean, just this last week alone has wrecked total havoc on us. And it's messed with our homes. It's messed with our friends. It's messed with our families. Uh, maybe it messed with your health. So if you've been affected by this or, or something else before this, we want to be linked to you during your tough time. So if you need anything at all, please reach out to us. Or if you know someone that needs some help and doesn't want to reach out to us, let us know so we can help them out. All you have to do to do, uh, to do that is go to our website, akuo.church, and click on the Contact Us link. You can also send me an email directly at humby.sedabeta at akuo.church. And you can also call or text the church directly at 210-901-8785. Now, if you're willing to tithe here at Akuo, the way you can do that is by going to our website, akuo.church. That's A-K-O-U-O dot church. And when you get there, all you have to do is click on the giving link and follow the instructions. We also have our text to tithe option. For that, all you have to do is text Akuo, A-K-O-U-O, and the dollar amount you want to tithe to the number 77977. If you don't want to give electronically, we also have our P.O. Box available if you would like to send your tithe through a check. For that, all you have to do is mail your tithe to Akuo at P.O. Box 100-125, San Antonio, Texas, 78201. Now, one last thing. I want to remind you guys about our Zoom group. Now, this is a great way for us to get together and hear how God is bearing fruit in us and how we can share it with one another. For all the links to the Zoom group, all you have to do is go to any of our social media pages. Okay, guys, that's all that we have for you today. Every single week I tell you this, and every single week it's true. I love all of you, and I'm praying for each and every one of you all week long. So one last time, let me pray over you before we go. So Jesus, as everyone clicks off their browser, turns off their TV, and puts away their phone, I just ask that you'd be speaking to them. I ask that you would be moving in their lives, that you would be giving them the peace that they are after I pray that you would just show them how much you love them this week and that they would be able to show that same love to their friends, their family, and their neighbors. Thank you for everything, Jesus. We love you, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Okay, guys, that's it. We'll see you on Wednesday at Zoom Group. Thanks for spending time with us today. You can find this message and any recent sermon available on demand at our website, akuo.church. That's A-K-O-U-O.church. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Akuo Church. Welcome to the community. We hope to hear from you soon.